I always think I can come back from a break, raring to go, but it never seems to be that way, so I don't know what number this is. We are in April uh, 2023, and it is season 19, and that's as far as I can go. But I should be riding. I should be working on my Hi there, welcome to I Should Be Writing. This is a podcast for wannabe fiction writers and pretty much anybody who's into creative stuff because a lot of the things we talk about can be broadly, um, I want to say affected, but that's not the right word. Applied! That's the word, applied. So, broadly applied. And uh, I am a little bit out of sorts today because I took a trip to Boston last week that was, well, whether it was necessary or not is, is debatable. I did have a good time, saw some friends, saw uh, the kiddo, so that was nice, but yeah. And then came home, family member had surgery, and I've been taking care of... Do doing my part to take care of them for like since fr for the week it's been a week and uh then I had copy edits to do around the same time so I've been head down on those and so I'm behind on everything I'm behind on posting podcasts I'm behind on escape pod stuff I'm I just managed to get the copy edits done so I could say I'm up to date on that and I've been thinking about how if you ever try to get yourself organized, there's it, it's that feeling of, I want to clean my desk, but I have to take everything off my desk and make a bigger mess before I get the desk clean. That's what it feels like when you've got ADHD and you're looking at your to-do list. You're like, okay, well, if I, if I say Monday is going to be my escape pod day or Tuesday is going to be my podcast day, I still have to get through all the crap to clear that spot, and then that's where the, uh, all the, the stress comes. So, um, I will be working on, I, I've got some ditch diggers to put up, I've got some, I should be writing scripted, but not recorded, so I need to get those recorded and edited and all that crap. And this one's gotta go up, but luckily Summer will be taking care of that, I just have to do the blog post and the uploading and all that. Say something nice about Boston, please. I like a lot of the people there. We, do we need to say something nice? Is, is Boston being attacked? It had more hills than I thought it would. I guess that's not nice. Boston, it is a city. 11 rejections in 2023. Congratulations, tree lobsters. And everybody, tree lobsters is awesome because tree lobsters will very quickly answer all of my 3D printing anxieties. So, thank you for all your help, Tree Lobsters. Um, so anyway, yes, for accountability, that's what I've been up to. I also, because my mind is doing the, um, my mind is doing the, 
this other project would be so much fun thing, I have been working on my weird rom-com and I started working on that in Boston and I got really into it because I think all the pieces have fallen into place. I've got my characters. So I'm, I'm excited about that. And now I can work on it without guilt <laughs> because the copy edits are done. Um, we did have a question in chat. What are working on copy edits like? And that is a really interesting question because it really depends on who is doing the copy edits. Um, this, the copy editor goes through and they check not only your spelling and grammar, the majority of my, uh, of the red notes in my manuscript were comma. Actually, yeah, I think they took commas out. I overuse commas. But if a sentence doesn't make sense and there's nothing like looking at something you wrote a couple of months ago and someone else is saying it doesn't make sense, and you're reading it, and you're going, I have no idea what I meant. None. I don't know either. Um, so they catch that. Also, there are inconsistencies. And I discovered that one problem I have with the fact that I'm not very visually minded, I don't think I have the, the brain thing where you can't picture anything. But I have trouble picturing the details of a scene. And so the copy editor is there to say, okay, the page before this, you said they were in a chair, now they're on a couch. In this paragraph, you've moved them from a bar to a coffee house in the same paragraph. Um, I do a lot of that. There's a question of whether somebody has two hair sticks in her hair or one. Um, Yeah, it's, it's, and, and what's really hard is when you do an edit, and like a heavy interior edit of the book, and you have to change some things, you have to go through and make sure you've changed everything that you'd planned on changing. That every reference to that thing you changed is also changed. Now I'm wondering if there was one thing I wanted to change. Oh god. <laughs> we'll think about that later. Um... And so a good copy editor will catch when you're inconsistent with that. Sometimes copy editors will kind of give you that, that, that feeling of, um, I'm a failed writer or I'm, I'm even a failed editor and this is what I do. So I'm trying to put my own spin on your story wherever I can. Of course I would not name names. There are, there's one person who sometimes comes to chat who would know exactly what I'm talking about. I, but, uh, yeah, there was somebody who would put a lot of opinions. I've heard people say that their copy editors will say, you need to explain this thing because I've never heard of it. And, like, so the fact that they've never heard of a thing means nobody has. And, um, that's kind of irritating if you think you know if you think you feel confident about your audience and what they're going to understand or what they're willing to look up then you can say no I'd rather not explain this um but yeah I've I've I've, I've kind of blocked out a lot of the specifics of working with that copy editor now it's just I just remember it was bad 
and I would get together with co-writers on the project and complain. And that was cathartic. A lot of people have, uh, copy editors are unfortunately, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a hated group like, uh, quality assurance or playtesters of a video game, you know, you come, you bring, you go back to the creators and you say, here's the, the stuff you broke. And no one wants to hear that. So I'm going to try to, I'm going to be telling my editor that I really appreciate what my copy editor did in catching my inconsistencies. And I have a, I can tell when I get tired, um, I will overuse a word over and over again. And that was her job to flag all of those and say, maybe find a synonym here and there. Um, Preemie says, I always stet sentences that don't make sense. Wow. Because I don't have that. I, if, if I don't understand it when I'm reading it now, I'm thinking, no, I think I need to fix something. I have no faith in Pasmer. Kids Are Asleep says, copy editors are people, some people do good work and some not great work, such as the life of an adventurer. Yes. Um, I think that's all that's up with me. I'm just, I'm going to be going to the, uh, going out to take the dog to rehab, as I said, and then buying myself a cake or something to celebrate being done with the podcast. Not the podcast, the book. And then I'll be behind on the podcast. Then I'll have to catch up on the podcast. <sighs> I don't know if I've said this on the on this podcast, but I will be attending the Nebulas this year. I'm excited. I've been contacting people I know in the LA area to see if I can uh, hook up with people because it's <laughs> I've got to try to make the most of the trip because good God, it's not cheap. I was, I've been wanting to take this trip for a while, so I thought, okay, I can do it. It fits in my schedule. I'm going to do it. But then, damn, it was just, it, it was more than I expected. And the Nebula conference itself is pretty expensive. So travel, hotel, and now the actual concert, uh, the conference ticket. So I'm going to be doing as much networking as I can to rub some elbows and, and do that Hollywood say really nice things about everything and then not call you back kind of thing. My, my one experience with working with Hollywood people was like, I knew what to expect because I've heard about it from others, but, um, the neat thing about the, the difference between Hollywood and publishing is Hollywood is yes, 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 yes. Until it's no. Which is why so many authors have works that are optioned and never get made. With publishing, it's no, 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 yes. Once you get your yes, it's going to be published. You don't know what kind of, you know, success you're going to have. But when the publisher says yes, well, you're going to be published. Rub elbows, get names, all that stuff. Pauline, you won't be at the Nebulas? I'm sorry.
I've heard people from non-U.S. backgrounds struggle with this aspect of editing, particularly the I've-never-heard-of-it part. Oh, no, Meerkat. Yeah. That is, you know, when people say that everything is, what's the word, meritocracy? Is that the one where you everyone succeeds based solely on talent or skill or whatever? And people say, you know, we don't need to pay more attention to people of color or women because if they write a good book, they'll, they'll, they'll end up at the top. And that's not the way it works because women write about things that some people may, some men might not think are relatable. And people from non-American or non, you know, non-white ethnicities backgrounds could write about things that they will immediately think, well, I, I don't understand what this Diwali thing is, so I'm going to just reject. Rather than think, well, this is a writer who's different from me, and maybe I should get someone who knows what this is, or maybe educate myself a little bit, because this could be an amazing book. I don't know. Um, That's why it's really good to have a variety of people reading slush for you, if you're a magazine or a publisher. Because sometimes you may get something and think, is this a bad story or do I just not get it? Meerkat attended last year's Nebulas virtually and really struggled to do the networking thing. Well, networking virtually, I never, ever got the hang of it. I never did. I'm more, for some reason, I'm much more embarrassed networking online than in person. It's really weird. At a convention, I can talk to anybody. I'm I'm just fine. But the idea of, like, I'm in a Patreon group. We have, like, meetings every month, and then we do breakout sessions. And they just throw random people together to talk about your projects. And that just fills me with incredible anxiety. I don't know why. But that's that's where my brain goes. I will be in the same state as you for 24 hours, Mer. Okay, well, let's figure out a way to communicate, like shooting flares at the sky, because I'm sure they don't mind that in L.A. at all. So, uh, we are just now entering the good news portion of the show, but people have already been giving me lots and lots and lots, I'm sorry to take time off, and lots of uh, rejection numbers. So, um... I'm going to scroll up and find those. And I think I have one in email, too. I need to make sure. Pauline just hit 30. And do you know how many I've counted before? Like, do I add 30 or am I adding fewer than 30 because some of yours are already counted? Not that this means anything <laughs> because the number is completely arbitrary. But I try to be slightly accurate. Under Pope is 21 so far. Tree Lobsters is 11 so far. Have, is there anybody I have missed? Guinega has a poem in the new issue of Kaleidotrope. That's amazing. Well done. Daniel has two uncounted. Rejections. Three uncounted rejections. Okay. 
Those constant feelings of rejections toward my own manuscript count. I'm very sorry, Big Appleish. No. You you have you can't. The, the goal is to stop yourself from thinking that about your own manuscript, rather than reward yourself for it. We we were we we cheer and celebrate rejections because while the end result is crappy, you had to do something very brave to get there. But, you know, just telling yourself you're garbage, that's... No. Um, be kinder to yourself. Please. Lee had an ice storm yesterday and only lost power for an hour. But sister still has no power. Well, sister should come to your house. Problem solved. I solve all the problems that aren't mine. Alright, so, um... I need to work on the math here. I am not going to hit the yay button. 20, 50, 60... 65 times. I'm sorry. Um, I love you all, but that would take the rest of the stream. But that does bring us up to 103. Which should fix, should work this way. All right. So that was me adding everything you guys just told me to the existing count, which means we've reached over 100. So everyone gets a cookie. I can't give you the cookie myself, but go out and get yourself a cookie because you've earned it. Skin biopsy that's not cancer. We cheer for not cancer under Pope. Well done. Congratulations. I hope that's a big uh, weight off your mind. Yes. Kids are asleep. You also deserve a cookie because you've been very, very, very busy. Um, right, I was going to look at... I know I have one email that I wanted to get to. I'll get there. I'll find the, the thing. I know where it is. I totally do. Okay, we got two bits of good news. This one's long. Uh, and Zachary says, I just got done finishing my final editing for my children's book. Uh, it's been in the making since 2016. And I'm writing a young adult fantasy book. So congratulations. That's awesome. Um, I love hearing when people, you know, get some help from the podcast or some lighting a fire under butts and stuff. It, it makes me feel really good to know that people are listening and, and taking something away. Um, sometimes I think, I've been doing this for 19 years. That's amazing. I'm awesome. And sometimes I think, do I have anything left to say? Does anyone care? Jeez. So, it's nice. Um, Paul says, been a listener for several years. I finally finished the first draft of my first young adult novel, the second novel that I've drafted since listening to your show. That is great. We're going to do yay button for the folks in the email. Congratulations, Zachary and Paul. 
Those are great. And we'll do one more big yay for everybody who's been stacking up the rejections this year. It's only April, y'all. You're doing a great job. Oh, here's a little bit of good news. I got uh, solicited to write a story for an, for a, an anthology that I'm very, very excited about. And uh, so I'm, you know, we're in the, are you interested? Yes, no. Do you like me? Pass this note at lunch kind of phase. So there's no signing, no announcements, no uh, thing yet. But when they start doing the Kickstarter and I can announce it, I will definitely do so because it's very exciting. I'm excited. So, um, I wanted to talk about finishing projects because it's hard. There's a sense of, um, I've, I've heard the saying that authors don't finish writing, finish their books. They just stop writing, which sort of implies that you end books like Neil Stevenson and it's okay if you're Neil Stevenson, but anybody else, they're just going to be like, why does your story end at this sentence with no denouement? But he can get away with it. But the rest of us, not so much. Um, but still, it's like I just had my copy edits, and when some when something would flag as this is inconsistent or whatever, I would zero in on that paragraph and think, well, I'll fix what they said, but I will also check out. I reword this sentence to make it tighter or better or something, and I'll put a little more description over here, and just. I realized I was wasting my time and wasting their time because they had every new thing I put in there, they have to approve. And I have to accept that the book is flawed. The book will never be perfect. No book is perfect. And that's okay. Just turn it in. It's also... Uh, it's also an emotional thing. We're, we're, we're taught there are many things in life that we're expected to be 100% happy about. And then when we feel what I'm starting to discover is a natural reaction to some things, we feel like we're broken or guilty. And things like, you know, the day after Christmas or, um the day after your wedding. You know, some things are big and happy, but they're also stressful. And then, you know, you usually want to just calm down and chill out and not really do anything that takes a lot of effort after you do something really stressful. And there is a tiny, for me, there's a tiny sense of giving up when you decide that the book is done because it's never going to be perfect. I know people who've reacted to um, award nominations by hiding under the covers and crying. Whether it's imposter syndrome or just their reaction to stress or what, but, you know, you expect people to run around the house screaming. Other people want to curl up and cry. When you win something after that, 
there's a weird letdown. It's like, oh, this thing I've wanted my whole life, I got it, but everything around me is still the same. And I'm not saying you shouldn't want things like awards, because that's a really jerk thing for me to say since I won one, but there is a little bit of a letdown after that. That's why you keep your awards where you can see them. Premi, where do you keep all of your awards? Is Premi still here? Lee says, it's like software testing. We cannot make it perfect. We have to settle for good enough or we'll never relief. And Pauline says, like a science paper. Yeah, it's a lot like, um, it, it's, it stretches across almost anything mental that you do. You know, you, I keep mine in the living room on top of a bookshelf. Okay. Anytime you're making something new. Yeah. And it's funny, like some of us will be looking at things. When we look at our own stuff, we'll always see the flaws and wonder what anybody else ever saw in this. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. Premi says, which resulted in me literally complimenting the WFA new design the other day and my friend saying, don't you have one of those? <laughs> I forgot it existed. It's in the other room. I have poor object permanence. Premi, I think you need to carry it around with you like once a day. Just need to find that sweet spot between first draft and impossibly perfect. Yes, exactly. Yeah, get a get a baby Bjorn or some sort of onesie, whatever the hot onesie is these days, and put your award in it and just carry it around. Yes, award sling. I'm going to try to say this in a way that's slightly different than the way I said it on Tuesday, because I would like this to go into the general I should be writing populace to hear, but I had a little realization about supporting characters and um, I won't tell what all led up to it or my complaints about the movie Fargo but when it comes to supporting characters, not even supporting characters like bit players little bitty people who show up especially in things like novellas and short stories where you have a limited space to move around you need to make sure that character's carrying enough weight that they're pulling there's, even though they just show up for a second, that they've got a role in doing something to the plot. One good thing is having your main character or your antagonist, somebody react to the person and have an interaction with them, and that can show some character stuff, but you can do more to um, make them relevant. I was reading a romance and, you know, people complain that, you know, you know how the romance is going to end. It's going to end in a happily ever after or happy for now. The, the couple's going to get together no matter what's in their way. The thing is, you don't know how. And you don't know who else is going to be involved. And you don't know if it's a good book, it's going to have B-plots. And the B-plots are not guaranteed to go well. They're not even guaranteed to end well. And that sometimes is what 
I get excited about to find out, okay, what's the B plot and how, how is this going to end up? Because I don't know. And a character showed up in a romance I was reading and I thought she was just there to sort of give a little telescope into the main character's past because he, she was from his past. And, but then late at the end, she comes back because his B-plot has to do with something in his past, but it didn't seem connected when he saw her the first time. So it's like, she comes back and she's like, now pivotal. Not the character herself, but just her being there is pivotal. And um, that really got me thinking that, you know, if you're going to throw a character into a scene, it's good to have a reason. And that's really my um, my short version of that. I I feel like I struggle with characterization. So whenever I come up with a little epiphany like that, I um, I try to really drill it into my head and and make sure I tell everybody else. Space Valkyries is here. Let's check out Space Valkyries' first published story in Beneath Ceaseless Skies. Available now. Tree Lobsters needs a beer hat for awards, but then you'd have to have two awards so you're not lopsided. Tree Lobsters, I fully expect you to have a um, a 3D design for a beer for a, a an award hat by probably tomorrow. And that's not me putting an assignment on you. That's just me showing faith in you. I just threw a character into a scene. His only job was to unlock a door and make sure the money was still there. Yes, the nebula does weigh 8,000 tons. And um, the first thing I thought was, this is a murder weapon. And then Sarah Pinsker wrote a murder mystery where the nebula was... The murder weapon. I love Sarah Pinsker. Anyway, was there anything else I wanted to get to? I thought there was, but it's gone now. So my goal tomorrow is to get a lot of podcasting stuff done. But I still, still want to um, do get moving on this rom-com I'm working on. Actually, I'm hoping we can create a little rom-com cabal with a couple of friends. Um, Kids Are Sleep knows who I'm talking about. Well, Kids Are Sleep is one of them, but just suddenly a lot of sci-fi writers I know are just like, I want to write a rom-com, and so I need all the help I can get. And if I'm in a club, that means I get a jacket. I get a jacket in my head. We don't need to have a jacket. But if y'all want to do a jacket, let's talk. Oh, thank you for the link, Kids Are Asleep. That is uh, Beneath uh, the Void Door, Beneath Sees the Skies. The story's The Void Door. I've read it. It's really good. Rom-com is hard. You have to do the rom and the com. Yes. That's it exactly. Comedy's hard. It really is. I... I I've been... I took some classes last year and I didn't finish them. And I started to feel angry with myself for essentially wasting money because if I didn't get all the classes, that's 
not a good use of my time. And so one of um, somebody I respect, a comedy writer, is doing a workshop, a six-week workshop, and I've been thinking, no, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. You can probably tell where this story's going. And um, last night, uh, Devo Spice um, was coming to North Carolina for a reason, and he said he wanted to drop by. So we had him over last night for game night. And um, it's just weird. Even though you can connect with your friends online usually any time, it still doesn't beat in-person stuff because, you know, we caught up on a lot of stuff. And, you know... Uh, he does a lot of, he, he does funny music. He actually manages the funny music project, the Fump. And, um, just talking about humor with him and creating made me think, I gotta take this class. And then I looked at it again today and I, with the kind of high price to get in, comes with a, um, comes with a critique. And another uh, thing that I, another class that I've taken has, uh, is really good and affordable, but it's really large and does not come with a critique because it's so large. So I'm going to be paying a little bit more, but knowing I'm going to have a critique will make sure that I, if I miss a class, which I'll miss one of them for a trip, but if I miss a class, I will catch up because there's homework and the homework will be due. And this guy's going to go over my stuff. And this guy wrote the book that I did my master's thesis on. So I probably have some stuff to learn from him. I just did a class on karma. Oh, K-drama and elements of that you can use in your fiction. And it was fun. Yeah, you're talking about the K-dramas finally got me to start throwing some onto to my Netflix list. I'm, um... Hopefully going to be checking out those maybe this weekend. So yeah, I'm taking the comedy screenwriting course. We'll see. Yeah, if you want to put in any information about it, Space Valkyries, um, let us know where you took the class or which class it was. Um, I'm curious about the classes. Cat uh, Rambo offers classes. Kat Rambo's an excellent writer, excellent teacher, former president of CIFWA, um, and they're just, they're just awesome. And I know a lot of people who support me on Patreon also support Kat Rambo. Um, but I haven't taken any classes from them, or writing the other also gives a lot of interesting classes. I found out about their um, storytelling structure from the East, as because that's something I've been very interested in because I realize how much we are programmed to expect certain things in storytelling structure in the West. And when we watch a film from Korea or Japan or watch an anime or something, I've felt very awkward. Even read, just reading a novel, a translated novel, I was feeling very awkward because I expected something to happen because all of the pieces had been laid out and it didn't happen because it wasn't following the Western storytelling expectations because it wasn't Western. 
I was thinking of Brett slash Brad today and telling him to buzz off. Good for you. Oh, this was on Writing the Other. Excellent. Oh, that makes me want to take it even more. So yeah, Writing the Other does um, classes on writing people different from you, but they they expand it so wide because they've done, you know, disability awareness, dealing with uh, avoiding fat phobia when describing fat characters or... Um, And they've done a lot of other cultures than you storytelling. And and Tempest and Co. are also always coming up with new ideas. Yeah, they, they really do. And they have scholarships, which is how I can afford it. Because monies are hard sometimes. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I've, I've talked before about reading rereading Stephen King's early stuff because there's so much to learn from the choices he makes. And he's not who he is because he writes scary stuff. He writes who he is because of how he writes characters. But still, especially young, young Stephen King, like The Long Walk, dude's got some issues. Doesn't like fat people. Women are described by their breasts, whether they're attractive or not, or have them or not. You know, in describing a tween, it would be like, oh, she hadn't started growing her breasts yet. I mean, dude, <laughs> there's more there, really. Um, the breasting boobily descriptions, yes. So, you know, reading early Stephen King short stories is awesome, but it's big old content warnings. Fat people are evil. Women are walking breasts. Yeah. But hey, you can get a good story while learning what not to do. You know? I read Agatha Christie. I know we can learn from some problematic stuff. And who oh boy. Actually, I want to say one thing about Agatha Christie. There's a new Agatha Christie, actually it's released last fall, I think, but Agatha Christie short story collection with the character Miss Marple, and it's got 13 authors of obviously today writing Miss Marple stories. And um, they have black writers, they have Jewish writers, they have us. I want to say Chinese, but I'll just say Southeast Asian writer because I don't know who she is, but she is writing about Miss um, Marple taking a trip to Hong Kong. So, um, and they're good stories. Naomi Alderman, hers is one of my favorites. Uh, Naomi Alderman wrote The Power, which I believe is on TV now, and uh, was the brain behind Zombies Run. I did not mean that to come out cute. Sorry. But I'm actually running low on time. If anybody has any questions, let me know. Um, yeah, okay, Kimmy, I've not gotten into Stephen King's later stuff. And I don't know if it's how he's grown as an author or how I've grown as a reader. I'm not going to say his stuff isn't good. I'm just going to say it just hasn't grabbed me as much. I tried to read Joyland. I tried to read Dr. Sleep. I don't know. Not really, thank you, Underpope. Or is that not really you have a question or not really Stephen King's gotten better? 
King's gotten a bit better, but not much. Yeah, yeah. King is is somebody who is quite liberal and stood up to Elon Musk, but also thinks that, like I said before, write a book. If it's good, it'll sell. Yeah. No. No. Well, if anybody has any questions, let me know. If you have questions later, let me know, and I will um, get to it the next time. But if you would like to uh, email me a question, that's mightymer at gmail.com. You can see the blog and the show notes at uh, merverse.com. I'm on all the social medias sometimes. It's kind of a mess now. I try to post on Mastodon. I've tried to post on TikTok and realize I'm getting in at the tail end of that because I heard college campuses are starting to, to lock it down. And, um... Oh, and tic- I heard TikTok is is re- reducing the amount of things you can say to take people away from TikTok. So, you know, if you say, if I say, hey, here's a snip of my podcast go listen to the regular thing. I'm telling them to go away from TikTok, and TikTok doesn't like that. So, kind of a mess, but, um... And the government's trying to ban it, yes. So, yeah, just... I I do put some evil mer advice on there sometimes. And I complain about things like not knowing what to write in people's books when I sign them. But, yeah... If you want to support the podcast, you can do so via Patreon, patreon.com slash mightymer, or you can come hang out with us live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash mightymer, Tuesdays and Thursdays at 3 p.m., Mondays, we usually try to do ditch diggers around 2 p.m. Eastern time, and maybe I'll start doing a Wednesday stream again, I'm not sure. Yeah, I gotta think about that, but um, that's where to find me. And my books are in bookstores. Which people seem to be surprised about, but that's another scab to pick at. But um, I hope everybody has a good weekend. Happy Passover. Happy Easter. And I will see you again maybe Monday. We'll see what I can get done with Ditch Diggers. Matt and I are only doing two weeks a month, and so that's why. Anyway, folks, take care. Be kind to yourself. See you guys later. I Should Be Writing is available to you under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives license. Theme music by John Anilio. Art by Numbers Ninja. Production by Summer Brooks. And hosting by Libsyn. Find all of this information and more at merverse.com. And remember, we can't do this without you. Thanks for your support. Doctor Who.